Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We are continuing in our verse-by-verse series through the book of Titus, these words from Paul to Titus, these words of instruction and encouragement years and years ago are still true for us today. Paul focused on sound leadership in chapter one. Pastors, elders, overseers are to lead God's people and God's churches to live and love God's way. Paul focused on sound teaching in chapter 2. Paul made the connection between sound beliefs and sound behaviors to Titus and to us. Sound teaching leads to sound Living. Biblical teaching leads to biblical living. We see this in Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul wrote, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. There we see the connection. Our knowledge of God's truth, the truth of his word, should lead to godliness in us. The more we know God's word, the more we should live God's way. Paul emphasized this again in chapter 2 and verse 1. But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. So, Paul told Titus, but you, Titus, and the elders in the churches in Crete, unlike the false teachers who share their false teaching, they're motivated by greed, they're ruining entire households, they claim to know God with their words, they deny God by their works, they lead people away from God, but you, Titus, and the elders in Crete, you are to proclaim, preach, and teach things, words, and actions that are consistent, that are fitting, that are appropriate, that follow in agreement with sound teaching. Sound teaching is teaching the truth of God's word. Sound teaching is the opposite of false teaching. False teaching is unhealthy and dangerous to us. Sound teaching is healthy and safe for us. So the elders are to preach and teach sound doctrine and sound living. As James said, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. As Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And so we know and understand. We're to show what we know from God's word. Paul gave us more detail beginning in chapter 2, verse 2, about how sound teaching builds up and blesses the church. The church being defined as you and me, the people of God. So we're all in So we see that there's a place for each one of us this morning. And so before we dig into this passage, and I'm so looking forward to getting into this passage in verse 2, I want to share uh, just a few points, three quick points, and we're not going to stay long on them. I'll do my best to, to work through them pretty quickly. Uh, but these are three points that will kind of set a framework for uh, this passage, this passage being defined as pretty much the rest of chapter 2. We certainly won't get that far today. Uh, You know me better than that. We'll get uh, into verse 2, and that's probably where we're going to stop, and uh, we're going to soak that up. But 
These are three points that are going to guide and direct us as we continue making our way uh, through this passage. So let's look at these points real quick. Point number one is God created us. God created us. God is the creator. We are the created. God is the maker. We are the made. This foundational truth reminds us of many things, but most importantly, it reminds us God is in charge, not us. Amen? God is in charge, not us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female, and then God blessed them. So God created us. Now, real quick, let me hit four points about this, and then we'll move on. God created us. Number one, God created us in his image. Each one of us has great significance and value because we've been fearfully, remarkably, and wonderfully made by God. We all, each one of us, we bear God's image and likeness. And so we have been given authority as well by God to rule over the rest of God's earthly creation. God created us in his image. Secondly, God created us male and female. God divinely designed and blessed us with our gender, male or female. Third, God created us with our skin color. God divinely designed and blessed us with the color of our skin. We need to affirm, we need to embrace our gender and our skin color as the loving, gracious gifts from God that they are for you and for me. God did not make a mistake, and God was not confused when he created us male or female and gave us the color of our skin. God's sovereign choice does not need to be corrected or changed by us. We also know God created us with different roles. God created males and females to be different with different roles and responsibilities, and we can all say praise God to that. We are created different. God's made this clear throughout his word. Godly husbands are created, called, and equipped by God to love and lead their wives as Christ loves and leads the church. Godly wives are created, called, and equipped by God to lovingly follow the leadership of their godly husbands. God's created marriage to be the union of a man who has placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and a woman who has placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ to come together in a covenant commitment with God as the number one priority of their lives and their marriage. And therefore, God has created marriage to be a blessing to the husband and wife, for the husband and wife to help one another, not hurt one another, for the husband and wife to compliment one another, not compete against one another, for the marriage to always show ultimately the picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. Men are to respect women and women are to respect men. Men are to value the God-given dignity of women, and women are to value the God-given dignity of men. Males and females, men and women, husbands and wives, are to affirm and embrace their differences, their strengths, their significance and value given to them by Almighty God. So we know God has created us. The second point we see is God has a plan for us. God has a plan for me, and God has a plan for you. And God's plan for me is better than my plan for me or anyone else's plan for me. God's plan for you is better than your plan for you or anyone else's plan for you. God knows us best, and he loves us most. He knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us, and he does what is best for us. And God has given us 
all kinds of gifts to help us fulfill his plan for us. God's plan for each of us is to conform us to the likeness of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God has given us abilities, desires, passions, skills, strengths, and spiritual gifts that work together to help us fulfill his plan for us. God also uses our different backgrounds and experiences to help us fulfill his plan for us. And I've got good news for you and me today. God will not give up on us. God's not going to give up on you, and God's not going to give up on me. Say that with me out loud. God's not going to give up on me. Again, God's not going to give up on me. God promised us in his word that he will continue, he will carry on his work in us until his work in us is complete. What that also means, among many other truths, is God always has the final say with you and with me. God has the final say with us. And then we also see the third point as we look at this passage is that we need each other. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We need each other. We need each other's accountability, comfort, encouragement, wisdom, prayers, and support. Just to name a few of the things we need from each other. Listen, older men need younger men, and younger men need older men. Older women need younger women, and younger women need older women. And the younger men and women in the passage that we're going to get to includes teenagers and children. And so we understand we all have a part to play in God's family. We all have a part to play. We, each one of us, are to grow in godliness, and then we're to help one another grow in godliness. Now, there's a couple of points that Paul's going to make, beginning in verse 2, and we'll develop these as we make our way through this passage but, but two points he's going to make as we look at starting here in just a minute in verse 2. Two points he's going to make. Number one, as followers of Jesus, we are to preach, teach, and live in such a way that we draw others to Jesus rather than pushing them away from Jesus. We're witnesses for Jesus. So we're to live in a way that draws others to Jesus and doesn't push others away from Jesus. In verse 5, he tells us that we're to live our lives in such a way that God's word will not be slandered by those outside the church. We are to live our lives according to God's word, not this world. And let me just share, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us as followers of Jesus Christ, and there's many reasons why, but I can tell you one reason why. One reason why that's a challenge is because the world has influenced the church. And there are folks in the church that will hear the truth of God's word, and they will want to argue and debate and battle me. You see, I've already spoken several things out of the truth of God's word that fly in the face of this world's message and philosophy. And I'm not crazy enough to think that there's not folks in here already trying to tune me out. Because they may not like what I'm sharing. What I'm sharing is the truth of God's word in love. It's the greatest truth that we can share and the most loving thing we can do for one another is to share God's truth with one another. Allowing our brothers and sisters to continue to be guided and led by the philosophies and messages and ways of this world is unloving. 
It's unloving. And so we understand how important this is for us in this passage. I'm telling you, over these next several weeks, wow, Paul's bringing it in some amazing ways. So I want us to buckle up because it's going to get even better and better as we make our way through this. Now, the second point he's going to make in this passage is this. Old age should make us more godly, not more grumpy. (laughs) We're going to get after this. Old age should make us more godly, not more grumpy. It's easy as we age to complain, argue, woe is me. What Paul says is, uh, no, 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 no. Old age should actually make us more godly. Not more grumpy. Should fire us up for Jesus more than any other time in our lives. Because you see, as we age, we get closer and closer to seeing our Lord and Savior face to face. Not in a hurry to get there, but ready. And excited about when that time comes. And so Paul shares now in verse 2. Let's get into it. With this as the background. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, sound, and faith, love, and endurance. So right away, Paul tells us there is no retirement plan in the Christian life on this side of heaven. There is none. Older men, that literally means aged men, men advanced in years. Paul's day, the writers in Paul's day, some of those in the church and some of those in the society, old age, anywhere started to focus in and there's uh, common agreement that could be 50s, 60s, 70s and, and on up. Older men. Men who are advanced in years. Older men means men who are mature in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Men who have walked with the Lord for years and years. Men who have seen God's answers to prayer. Men who have seen God's faithfulness in action. Men who have seen God's power in action. Men who have seen God's word at work. Men who can rejoice in trials and tests of faith and in sufferings. Men who have seen God change lives for eternity. Theirs and others around them. Men who walk with the Lord day after day after day, fresh and new each step of the way. Older men. These are the older men that he's referring to. Not just old in numerical age. Godly, mature in the word. Godly, mature in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. 
And so here's what he tells us. He gives us six characteristics for these older men. Six qualities of these older men. Number one, older men are to be self-controlled. Self-control means sober, temperate. It means free from intoxicants. It means without wine. Literally, it means without wine, wineless. It means clear-headed so they can exercise good judgment and make wise decisions. Older men, mature, godly men, are self-controlled. They're free from intoxicants. They're sober. They're temperate. They're clear-headed. They're able to exercise good judgment and make wise decisions. Older men who are self-controlled are self-disciplined. They know how to make good decisions. They've learned in their time and walk with the Lord who and what to avoid, who and what to stay away from as they follow Jesus day by day. Second, these older men are to be worthy of respect. Worthy of respect means dignified. It means honorable, worthy of dignity and honor due to the character, integrity, and purity of their lives. Now, it's interesting. Worthy of respect is also a qualification for deacons and deacons' wives that Paul told Timothy. Worthy of respect does not mean boring always serious, never smiles or laughs or has a good time. Older men who are worthy of respect have a great time in the Lord day by day. They have the joy of the Lord at work in their lives. They're having a great time walking with the Lord. They're excited about what God is doing in them, for them, through them, and around them. Older men who are worthy of respect have demonstrated and shown that their walk, their words, and their works are consistent with the Word of God. So these older men are self-controlled. These older men are worthy of respect. He says these older men are to be, sens- are to be sensible. Sensible means a sound mind, to have a sound mind. It means they are able to focus on what's most important. Sensible means not easily distracted by people, problems, or circumstances. Sensible means these older men, these mature godly men, are are led by the Spirit in their words and actions. As you remember, I'm sure from chapter 1, sensible was also a qualification for elders, pastors, and overseers. So, These older men, godly mature men in the faith who are sensible are able to stay focused on God and the truth of God's word. They know how to live God's word out in their day-to-day lives. They are able to think and feel and act God's way by the power of the Holy Spirit alive and at work in them because they've spent time with the Lord. They've spent time in his word. They're walking with the Lord. And so they are of sound mind. They're self-controlled. They're worthy of respect. They're sensible. Fourth, he said these older men are to be sound in faith. Sound means healthy. It means firm, means right. So they, these, their sound in faith means a firm, healthy belief and trust in the Lord. Faith is that belief and trust in the Lord. So older men who are sound in the faith know that God is a faithful, good, gracious, and trustworthy God. They know God's word is trustworthy and true because they live according to the word. Therefore, they uh, trust God, and they demonstrate their faith in God by their obedience to God in their daily lives. Again, not perfect, but passionate about the Lord. They're sound in the faith. They understand the word of God. They know what's absolute truth for their lives in every situation, in every circumstance, at every moment in time. 
And they trust in the Lord and in his word. And they stand firmly on the Lord and his word. They also, fifth, older men are to be sound in love. Now this love is the word agape in the original language. That means a selfless, sacrificial, always giving love. Agape love is the love that God has for us. It's the love that Jesus showed us on the cross of Calvary. And it's the love that God produces in us by his spirit at work in us as we walk by the spirit. So older men who are sound in love are older men who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They're older men who love their neighbor as themselves. They're older men who love even when their love is not received properly or returned promptly. They're older men who walk by the Spirit so that this fruit of the Spirit of love can continue to be produced in them so that it could flow out from them. They are Older men who are patient and kind and other-centered, they're fast forgivers. They don't rejoice in evil. They rejoice instead in the truth because this is what Paul told us, what love is and what love does in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Older men who are sound in love also agree with what Jesus said when he said, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so older men, godly, mature men, are men who have walked with the Lord for years. They're self-controlled. They're worthy of respect. They're sensible. They're sound in their faith. They're sound in love. They're loving men who give themselves away willingly to others, who give their time, talents, and treasures to God and to others because they're sound in the faith and they're sound in love. But then he also says older men are to be sound in endurance. That means they are firm, and there's a healthy patience, perseverance, and steadfastness to their life. Endurance means a a patience, a perseverance, a, a steadfastness to their life and to their faith. Older men, godly mature men who are sound in endurance, have learned and love living the Christian life with endurance. They've learned how to run the race of the Christian life with endurance. They are able to fix their eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Older, godly, mature men who are able to be sound in endurance, they are able to think about Christ. They think about his sacrifice. They think about Christ in all the opposition he faced when he was on this earth for them and for us today, and that enables them to have the inspiration to have the joy to continue growing with God and to not throw in the towel on God, to not give up on their faith in God. Older men who are sound in endurance patiently sit with the Lord in God's waiting room. And right there tells you of their maturity and godliness. They don't sit in the waiting room waiting on God. They sit with the Lord in God's waiting room, patiently, knowing that whatever God is doing and whatever God is going to do is best for them, and so they sit patiently, and they endure, and they persevere as they continue to follow the Lord by faith. What amazing characteristics. Again, this does not completely define older men, godly, mature, older men. But these are characteristics that work together with the fruit of the Spirit that describe 
these men had a sound teaching, but you were to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. How does sound teaching make its way through the church? Well, obviously with the pastors, elders, overseers, preaching, teaching the truth of God's word, Bible teachers, preaching, teaching the truth of God's word. But it also happens as the older men, the godly, mature men who walk with the Lord, love the Lord, love God's people, love all those that God brings to the church, those who know Christ, those who don't know Christ. They don't condemn anyone. They welcome everyone. They show the love of God to everyone, knowing that everyone is created in his image and everyone needs the love of Christ. And so they're welcoming. You see, these men help that sound teaching to permeate through the church because they're actually giving the church the visible representation of what the Word of God says. They're living it out. So the question is, why did God, Paul, write about these faithful older men? Why did he write about these faithful older men to Titus? Why are we talking about this now, and then next week we're going to move on to older women, and then a couple of weeks later, we'll come back to older men because Paul comes back to older men. I think there's a couple reasons why. Number one, older men are a blessing to God's church. Older men are a blessing to God's church. Listen, these six characteristics are not automatic with age. Let me say that again. These six characteristics in verse 2 are not automatic in age. They are developed over time walking with the Lord. These older men are faithful, they're humble, they walk with the Lord, therefore they're filled with the love of God and faith in God. They have the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. They love God's people and they obey God's word and they have the time and the desire, again, they have the time and the desire to disciple and encourage the younger men in the church. You see, these older men are a blessing to the church because they want to finish the Christian life well. They want to be able to say at the end, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. These godly older men. Want to leave a legacy of faith for their families, but also for their church family. They pour at their families, but they don't stop there. The point of their church family, in particular, the younger men in the church. You see, these godly older men are a blessing to God's church because they make the most of the time they have. And God's strength for God's glory. It's one of the reasons why Paul wrote about these older men. They're a blessing to God's church. The second reason is older men are needed in God's church. These Qualifications, these six characteristics, guess what? They're 
fantastic characteristics for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ to possess and express. God wants all of us to be self-controlled. He wants all of us to be worthy of respect. He wants all of us to be sensible. He wants all of us to be sound in faith, in love, and endurance. He wants all of us to live this way. And so God places older men in his local churches so that Folks in the church, and particularly the younger men, so that others, though, besides younger men in the church, can literally see a living, breathing example of what the Word says, so that they have a model to pattern their lives after as they seek to live for the Lord. Because these older men humbly surrender themselves to God. They trust in God's power to help them live His way. And they shine the light of Jesus and point others to Jesus at home, at work, at church, and in the world. These older men are a joy to be around, these godly, mature older men. And Paul shared this with Titus in these churches because they're a blessing to the church, but they're also needed in the church because that's how this sound teaching permeates through the body of Christ. It just permeates. And so what is the application for us today? What are we supposed to do with this? Uh, how, how do we move forward? What do we take away from this truth this morning? First, I would say, find these older men. Find them. Ask God to give you the opportunity, the joy, the privilege to get to know one of these older, mature, godly, seasoned saints in God's family. And then as God begins to answer your prayer, as God begins to identify the godly older men in our church, and I can share with you today with great joy that we have godly older men in this church, mature men who love the Lord and love the Word and love God's people, who Meet up with what Paul is sharing with Titus. And as you find and identify these older men, as God answers your prayer, then ask these older men to spend time with you. Ask these older men to speak God's wisdom into you. Ask these older men to share with you. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Get around them. There's so much wisdom, especially for younger men to glean from these godly, mature, older men who've walked with the Lord, who know the Lord, and they're not angry about it. They love the Lord and God's people. These godly men who have walked through the fires, the trials and tests and challenges, difficulties of their life, and they have not become bitter, they've used those times to draw them closer to the Lord. Find these older men. And the second application point is real simple. Follow these older men. Follow them. God put them in the church so that the body can follow their example. So follow them. Follow their leadership as you find them, as you spend time with them, as you thank God for their influence in the body. Then follow them. Pattern your lives after them. Follow their leadership. Follow the way in which they love the Lord. And love the Lord's people, which they serve the Lord and serve the Lord's people. I'm sure many of you, uh, if not all, I think probably I could more than likely say 
everyone in here, uh, has probably at some point in time played that game as kids growing up, probably more times than you can even count. Follow the leader. You remember that game, and you remember cringing when a certain person would be chosen the leader. Uh, because there's always that one, if they got chosen the leader, they were going to try to hurt and injure people. Because follow the leader was built off the premise, where the leader goes, we go. What the leader does, we do. Wherever that leads, we follow. That's the premise of follow the leader. And really what Paul has been sharing with Titus is follow the lead of these older men. As Paul shared with the believers at church in Corinth, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. These godly, older, mature men, these seasoned saints, are following the example of Christ. And therefore, the body, younger men in particular, but the body at large, can safely follow their lead. You know, I think as uh, we grow up, and I know I, I was guilty of this growing up, I used to think, man, I'm never, ever going to get old. I uh, used to think 20s and 30s was old, uh, and, and anything above 40 was ancient, relics, and, and live that way. And, you know, as God has so graciously guided and, and led my steps, and as I've walked with him and grown in the Lord, I've realized with each kind of passing decade, the definition of old age changes. And old age just becomes defined as 10 or 15 years older than whatever you are at that particular time. You know, that's, that's just what it is. It's, it's still out there. And yet, the reality of life is, you know, as we walk with the Lord and as he blesses us and as he grows us, we are able to experience the fullness of his blessings, of his plan for us at every age and season in life. Are they always circumstances that we want to experience? No. Are they always easy? Does it always work out? Is there always a happy, smooth ending to every circumstance and situation we go through in life? No. But what we find is our Heavenly Father is there with us every step of the way. And he's guiding us and he's directing us. He never leaves us or fails us or forsakes us. And he pours his truth and his blessings into us so that we are able to receive and soak in all those blessings, but so that we can also pour out those blessings to our families, but then also to those in our church family. And the best way to stay ready 
for every season of life, for every age and stage of life, is simply to walk with the Lord, to walk with him, to talk with him, to spend time with him in his words, soaking in the Lord's goodness and grace to us, seeking him when things start to get choppy in our lives, when those storms crash in, running to him, relying on him, taking our anger, taking our frustration, taking our discouragement, taking our loneliness, taking our hopelessness to him, communicating with him, pouring ourselves out to him, and just waiting with him to see us through and to continue his work in us and his work through us. Follow the example of these godly, mature, older men. We'll talk next week about these godly, mature, older women. The reason, Paul's saying this to Titus, for you and me also today, is as we follow these godly, seasoned saints, we can do so with confidence knowing that they are following Christ. And we can learn and be blessed by Christ through them. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of invitation. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord, to his word, as he has spoken to you this morning. Maybe you're in one of those choppy seasons where discouragement and frustration, disappointment is reigning. You're not quite sure how you're going to make your way out of that particular season. Maybe what God wants you to do is to come maybe up to these prayer partners or to go to a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe to go and find a, a godly, mature, older man or a godly, mature, older woman and to ask them to pray for you, ask them to pray with you. share God's truth and God's love with you, to speak God's truth into you. The altar is open as it always is. For you to come and do business with the Father, you can kneel right there or you're seated and respond in obedience to him as well. We don't ever want anyone to carry a burden to this room that you end up just carrying right back out. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, by his grace to your faith in Christ Jesus. And why not today? Why not right here? Why not right now? Say yes to Jesus. God will change you from the inside out by his grace through your response of faith and trust in his son, your savior, Jesus. We would love as well to introduce you to Jesus. We're gonna stand and we're gonna sing this worship song. Let's stand. And as we sing, let's respond in obedience to the Lord this morning.